One of my favorite cartoon comic strips growing up was Peanuts, Charlie Brown. How many knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's still one of my favorites. Uh, Charlie Brown and the, her arch, his arch nemesis, Lucy, uh, who always seemed to pull the football from him right before he was getting ready to kick it. Uh, one of her, um, one of Lucy's uh, shticks was that she was um, at the... Uh, this psychiatrist booth and remember she says the doctor's in and she charged like a nickel uh, and Charlie Brown would always come up and get some sort of uh, uh, advice from her well one of the times that he came up to Charlie uh, she he came up to Lucy in the booth uh, Lucy the therapist said to Charlie Brown I hate everything I hate everybody and in fact I hate the whole wide world you know, Charlie Brown then responds, but I thought you said you had inner peace. And Lucy's response was, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of people in this time that we are living in where they're claiming to have inner peace, but really they're kind of fussing and they're kind of fighting. And, you know, especially when you think about one of the most peaceful, enjoyable times should be that when we have our family get together, and decorate the Christmas tree. But what is something that seems to be so peaceful and something that should be so unifying, in fact, causes people to fuss and fight and create some conflict at times. And you can talk about Christmas trees and you can talk about family get-togethers and how it always tends to be that you have people fussing and fighting. It seems to be that the most peaceful time should be that you would just take and just decorate the Christmas tree and put some nice pretty ornaments. How are you guys doing today? But you know, it seems like the most peaceful time should be ends up being the most contentious times. The times that seem to be the most full of conflict. Thank you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Let's give them a hand this morning, okay? <laughs> I asked them if they would do this and, they, and I told them what they needed to do. They said, well, we don't need to act. <laughs> you know, admittedly, it's hard to imagine a world of complete peace, isn't it? Even when you're focusing on your own family, it can be difficult to imagine a conflict-free week of peace and tranquility, let alone an entire world that's filled with peace. So as our example and our decorating of this Christmas tree shows that even the most simple tasks often seem to devolve into conflict and frustration. So what in the world is the trick to this? What's the remedy to get us from conflict to a place of peace? Well, as we've seen in these last four weeks, and in fact, this is it, you guys, we're coming up here. This is the Sunday before Christmas. Next, this coming Saturday, will be, uh, will be Christmas. And by next Sunday, when we gather, it will all be over with, except for the throwing away of the packages and the taking them to the dump. But as we've seen in the last four weeks, along with our first Sunday, where we talked about Jesus being our hope, the foundation that we place our hope upon, also Jesus being our joy, unspeakable and full of glory, when in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uh, discouragement, Jesus can be our joy. And then last week we looked at how Jesus is also that love that we need, that love that so loved that God gave his only begotten son, that love that 
gave his life for us. We also see that the answer for peace also resides in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 6. And as you are doing that, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we pray today that your word would be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that it would, that it would just radiate inside of the dark spots in our heart, Lord God. The light of your love, the light of your hope, the light of your joy, the light of your peace would shine brightly on us this morning. Pray, Lord God, that you would encourage us today, that you would, in the midst of all the turmoil and the chaos in the world, that we would focus on you, our Prince of Peace, and that your peace that would pass all understanding would rule our hearts and minds today. Father, help us to focus now on your word. Illuminate your word to our hearts. Anoint us, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our feet to walk this out. What, we, um, what we're going to be receiving here this morning. And we thank you for this and all God's people said amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 says, For a child would be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And it is being accomplished even as we speak here today. Amen. So in this passage, we see Isaiah prophesying again about Jesus. This time calling him the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, and the prince of peace. The government. Jesus will be in charge of. And Jesus actually is right now in charge of. We'll never stop growing and we'll never run out of peace. Think about that sort of place that you would live today. A place that will never run out of peace. In a world that's been, from the time sin entered into the human race, filled with conflict, this really is obviously hard to imagine here this morning. But what does this mean? And how can we embrace the peace of Christ in the midst of this turmoil and this conflict that we seem to continually face in our world today. And I can't think of anyone better to turn to to learn what this peace looks like and how we apply it to our life than to learn it from the Prince of Peace himself. Amen? Let's hear what Jesus has to say, his words to counsel us this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 16 because the fact is, is Jesus comes out right out by saying that you will have trouble. How's that for the beginning of our message this morning? You will have trouble. We've got to set the foundation here, folks, to understand that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and just because he's come to this earth, and just because he's made these promises, doesn't mean that we won't face our share of conflict and turmoil. 
How many understands what I'm talking about here? And then maybe you've gone through some of your share in 2021. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Because I, Jesus saying, I have overcome the world. How many is thankful that Jesus has overcome the world this morning? So in the, in the context of this passage here today, folks, Jesus has been telling leading up to this verse and to this passage about all that he is, has to do. To, he has to leave them and, and, and that there's so much more that he wants to share with them, but that he can't, but the Holy Spirit will be uh, on the way. He promised to send his Holy Spirit which they obviously can't understand yet either. But then what Jesus is then telling them is also the truth. He's letting them know that what is going on and what is going to happen to them is getting ready to take place. And at the end of chapter 16, all that stuff, he wraps it up by saying to them and to us today, listen to this. He says to you and me today, in me, you can, and I'm going to add this, you can choose to have peace because really it's a choice that we make whenever things are going on all around us in this world you're going to have trouble but in me you can make the choice to have peace he says take heart brothers and sisters take heart today because I have already overcome the world we've seen the down payment some 2,000 years ago we're getting ready to experience it in its fullness is overcoming power to overcome everything in this world some 2,000 years ago Jesus shared these words with his disciples and the truths that he shared then are just as relevant if not more today in many ways we have the added bonus of knowing that Jesus was telling the truth and by the way Jesus tells the truth all the time you may be surrounded by people and you may have experienced in your life people that have shaded the truth, told you lies, told you things that you wanted to hear. But I'll say it again today. Jesus tells the truth all the time. So everything that you read in God's word, every quote, everything that is found in that precious book is something that you can count on 100% of the time. Because God is not a man that he would lie. We know that we can trust him. We know that he died. We know that he rose again. And we know that he ascended to heaven. And we know that he defeated death. And having peace in Christ means believing in and trusting in all that he did. And it doesn't mean that you'll have a conflict-free, problem-free life. In fact, your allegiance to the kingdom of heaven puts you in direct opposition to the world. When you say, I'm a believer in Christ, you have immediately and instantly made yourself in opposition to the things of this world. And you can expect trouble to come as a result. And by the way, not only did Jesus defeat death, not only did he ascend to heaven, not only did he rise again, but Jesus is coming back soon. And he's going to make all things new. And as the Prince of Peace, he will reign and rule in righteousness in this world that we know right now that is so turned upside down. But Jesus is getting ready to turn it right side up again. Amen.
Amen. So what Jesus is encouraging us with is this today. Believe it or not, listen to me. You can have peace. You can have peace deep in your soul. You can have peace that no matter what troubles come your way, that no matter what is swirling around you, that peace that Jesus offers, peace I give you not as the world gives you, give I unto you. That's the kind of peace that I hope that you can walk out with here this morning. Because it's that peace that Philippians chapter 4 says transcends all understanding. Deep abiding peace is something that is difficult to understand this morning. But it's available to you and to me. Philippians chapter 4 says the apostle Paul wrote, actually gave us a glimpse into this peace-filled life when he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. By the way, how often do you rejoice in the Lord? How often do you rejoice in the Lord? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's an order here. We rejoice no matter what the situation. Always, the Bible says. Not based on our circumstances, but based on who he is. Amen? And then we take those circumstances, those anxieties, those situations, and by prayer and petition, we give it over to the Lord and say, Lord, this is bigger than me, but not bigger than you. And I give you this big situation in my life. I can't handle it. I'm finding myself not being able to rejoice in it. In fact, it's getting me down. It's causing me to be anxious. It's overwhelming me, and it's robbing me of my peace. So, Lord, I'm going to rejoice in this because that's what your word says to do. Not because I like it. Not because I understand it. Not because I want more of it. But because your word says I need to. Because it helps my heart. It helps me to get my perspective back on you, the author and the finisher of my faith. It's so important to rejoice in all things. Is it hard to do? Amen. Is it the right thing to do? Yes, it is. And usually the right things to do are the hard things to do. But our flesh wants to grumble and complain. Our flesh wants to be consumed by it. Our flesh wants to be overtaken by it. The enemy of our souls wants to make sure that those things that are bombarding our lives will get us to the place where we don't rejoice and where we don't place our faith and trust in the Lord. But as we rejoice and as we, are, we shift our perspective back to him and say, oh yeah, I need to rejoice in him. Then we take those circumstances and say, now Lord, I rejoice in you, not because of this stuff, but because of who you are, but I give it to you. This is big stuff but not bigger than you. I can't handle it. I've had enough. This is yours. And as we give it to him by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, <laughs> that's the hard, another hard part. Not only am I going to rejoice in it, but I'm also going to be thankful in it. Not because of it, but in it. Because of who Christ is. Lord, I'm thankful 
that this is going to give you an opportunity to show off in my life, to show up and show off. How many ever God's ever shown up and shown off in your life as a result? Yeah, amen. Because that's what God does. He doesn't come in halfway. He doesn't come in half-baked. He never comes late. He's always just on time. He rarely comes early. <laughs> He's always right on time. And he shows up and he shows off and he says, watch what I'm getting ready to do right here in this situation that you're rejoicing in and giving thanks in. So we rejoice. And then what happens? What takes, what, what takes over? What replaces our anxiety? What replaces our grumbling? What replaces our fear? What replaces that that is not rejoicing, but now is rejoicing? What takes that is, that is not giving thanksgiving, but it now is giving thanksgiving? He gives us what? Peace. You see, there's a part we need to do. We give thanks and we rejoice. And then he gives us his peace. We give thanks and we rejoice, and then he gives us his peace. Say that with me. We give thanks and we rejoice, and he gives us his peace. You see, there's a process there. And his peace is not something that necessarily happens outside, because we can be in the midst of chaos and turmoil. It could be swirling all around us. But he says that his peace is ruling what? Our hearts. What is that? It's our emotions, isn't it? And he rules our minds. What is that? It's our thinking, isn't it? And when he takes over our thinking, and when he takes over our emotions, and we allow his peace to bathe us, it makes all the difference in the world. And sometimes that has to happen once a day, once an hour, once every minute, once every second, doesn't it? But that's the process. So again, what do we do? We rejoice, right? And then what do we do? We give thanks, right? Both of those are hard to do and they're conflicting with what we see in front of us and what we're feeling. But that's the right thing to do. Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation and I will give thanks in all things, no matter what. And as I do, Lord, I thank you that you're pouring over my thinking, your peace, and you're pouring over my emotions, your peace, Oh, I don't know about you, but I need that kind of peace. How about you? How about you? I need his peace that passes all understanding. It transcends. It overrides. It, it comes on top of all of my understanding. This doesn't make sense, and I don't like it, but his peace transcends that. I don't, I'm tired of trying to think about it, and I'm, to, I'm tired of feeling the way that I feel. But his peace overrides it and transcends that. Lord, may we have that peace today and tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and all of next year and until you return. But folks, we've got to give thanks and we've got to rejoice. That's our part. What are we going to do today? We're going to give thanks, right? And we're going to what? Rejoice. Now ask the Lord to help you in that. Wouldn't it be good in every situation, whether good or bad, we present our request with thanksgiving to the Lord. Wouldn't it be good to let go of the things that stress us out? 
Wouldn't it be good to let go of those things that are creating turmoil in our hearts and in our minds and give God permission? We invite him to have the power over those situations. I'm so thankful that when that happens, that something amazing transpires in our life and more often than not in the circumstances themselves. And this is what happens. We trade our anxiety for peace. We trade our our fear for rejoicing. We trade our suspicion for faith. And amazingly, divinely, miraculously, the peace of God that we have in Christ guards our emotions and our thinking. This is a truly, deeply personal and really difficult thing to articulate, this peace of God. But as we saw in this human video a moment ago, which they did such a great job, didn't they? Yeah, so proud of them. But I believe that it's that same peace that Mary felt when she visited her cousin Elizabeth and, and Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, who, by the way, Zachariah was a priest in the temple of the Lord, and Elizabeth and Zechariah, if you know your Bible, was actually the parents of John the Baptist. Yeah. So Mary had just had a visit from the angel. Think about this. I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. And some of you, it's a little easier than others. Some of you, it's going to be a stretch to imagine yourself a 14-year-old girl. But I want you to imagine yourself a 14-year-old girl, because that's roughly how old that they say that she was. 14 years old. And she had this visit from this angel telling her that she would carry the Messiah. Now imagine, minding your own business, going through your day, living your life, and an angel shows up and says, you will carry the Messiah in your womb. Here she was, 14 years old, not married. She was a virgin. She was a devout, God-fearing young lady. And I'm sure that maybe she was a little more than a bit distraught when all of this took place. Turmoil had entered into her peace-filled and simple life. How many has had that happen to you this year? Some turmoil that has entered into your peace-filled life, yeah. See, so you can relate to that. You maybe not can relate to being a 14-year-old young lady, but you sure can relate to you just minding your own business, you just living your life, And all of a sudden, boom, things change. Out of nowhere, young Mary's life was turned around. I know I've been there. In fact, I'm there now. So, she thought, what to do? I know. I'll go to my cousin Elizabeth's house. There, maybe I can get some answers. There, maybe I can get some help. There, maybe I can get some clarity. So she went to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth was a godly woman. And her husband, Zachariah, as I mentioned, was a priest in the temple. And both knew scriptures, knew prophecy intimately. And those prophecies specifically about the coming of the Messiah, they knew. So here comes Mary. Now, you got to understand that Zachariah was struck dumb. He couldn't talk because he didn't believe that God was going to also allow Elizabeth in her old age to become pregnant. They had been trying for years to no avail. And we know the story, Elizabeth, in Luke chapter 1, 
You can read it. Um, became pregnant. Well, Zachariah didn't believe it was going to happen, so the angel said, well, you're going to be struck dumb until the child is born. And you saw that when Jomar was writing on the tablet. He couldn't talk, but he sure could write. And so there's some things that Zachariah was sharing with Mary. There were some things that Elizabeth was sharing with Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45 says, At the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, Elizabeth proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It says in this chapter that Elizabeth, rather Mary stayed for a few months with Elizabeth and Zachariah. So there was much conversation that was taking place. And I'm sure that in that conversations, in those conversations, slowly but surely some assurances were taking place that what had happened in that encounter with Mary and the angel, as she was watching Elizabeth becoming great with child, she was also watching herself slowly become great with child. So faith was beginning to grow. Anxiety was being pushed aside. And God's peace was rolling over her mind and her heart. In the midst of the turmoil and the midst of her life being turned upside down, through people speaking into her life and the word of God becoming real to her and being assured that what happened was real and right and true and God-ordained. We see through the conversations that took place and the assurances in Mary's heart that we read now in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, this song of praise that is recorded for us that tells us of Mary's peace that she had that passed all understanding that ruled her heart and ruled her mind it says my soul glorifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on all generations will call me blessed from the mighty one for the mighty one has done great things for me holy is his name his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation he has performed mighty deeds with his arm he has scattered those who are proud in their in inmost thoughts he has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors if you read that and you realize what had taken place beforehand, that was for us as we read this, the, the, the fact she was actually making a statement that her heart was settled. Her gaze was fixed. Her mind was at peace. She, she overcame all of her anxiety and she pivoted to say, now I praise the Lord. Whatever Elizabeth and Zachariah shared with her was enough 
Whatever the Holy Spirit had ministered to her was enough. She walked away with a deep and abiding peace as it relates to being the mother of the Messiah that carried her the rest of her days. She, in fact, traded anxiety for peace. She traded fear for rejoicing. She traded suspicion for faith. And that's where I believe God wants us to be in this stressful and anxious time in which we're living. This morning, I want to encourage you that in all, out of all the gifts that are surrounding your Christmas tree and on Christmas morning, as you open them up, I want you to understand this one thing, that God's gift to you this Christmas is the gift of peace. Have you ever read through the Gospels and found yourself marveling at all the different situations that Jesus found himself in? And how he always seemed to keep his cool no matter what? I want you to think about it. He was interrogated by the leading Jewish leaders of the time. On multiple occasions, the crowd tried to grab him and kill him. Uh, and on top of all that, he willingly chose to travel day in and day out with a man who he knew would betray him over to death. What was it that Christ knew that we don't? I mean, really, think about it. What did Christ know that we don't? Now, you may be answering this question like, <laughs> he was literally God incarnate. He probably knew billions of things that we don't. I think we can all agree on that. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that Christ had complete and total trust in who he was and what he was doing. He trusted the Father because of this trust, because of his faith, he was able to have peace in any and every situation. It's a powerful truth that we can watch his life, read about his life and say, I want that kind of peace that no matter what, no matter what opposition, no matter who's trying to kill me, no matter who's going to be betraying me, I can have that peace because I know in whom I believe. I know who I am in Christ. Jesus has this kind of peace for you and I today. Aren't you thankful? In fact, Jesus said these words to his disciples in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. When he ascended to heaven, he says, before he ascended to heaven, I'm leaving a peace with you. In fact, my peace that I walked out while I was on this earth, I'm giving to you. That same peace that I just described, he's actually given to us. It's at our access and ready disposal. He says, I don't give you a peace that the world gives. I don't want that kind of peace, do you? Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Peace is a gift of Jesus. And it's different from the things that the world gives. And it's just like any other gift. It's, it's your responsibility and your choice to receive it well. You can choose to receive this peace and walk in it. Or you can choose to not. It really is our choice today. What have you received from the world lately, by the way? Stress? Anxiety, condemnation, conflict. Are you ready to receive more of that? Or are you ready to receive the peace that Christ has for you? You see, the best Christmas that we can ever imagine, ever, will be marked by peace. I want to show you a picture today. Uh, I grew up the last 
part of my teen years in San Jose, California. And there's a, a house there called the Winchester Mystery House. You've probably heard of it, some of you. There should be a picture up there of the Winchester. There it is. Look at that. Isn't that a grand-looking house? And it goes on and on, by the way. That's just a portion of it. Now, as you keep that picture up there, I want you to just listen to this. Thousands of people each year visit the Winchester Mansion in San Jose. This massive structure was built by a lady by the name of Sarah Winchester, the widow of the gun company owner, the Winchester Guns. For 38 years, from 1884 until her death in 1922, the house was under constant construction. Teams of carpenters and masons and other workers were employed around the clock. Various stories have been told about the reason for this unusual practice, but most center on Mrs. Winchester's belief that she either was haunted or would be haunted by the ghosts of those killed by her husband's weapons unless she kept building her house. Others claim that she thought she would not die as long as she was building the house. Well, for whatever the reason was, she continued ordering more renovations and construction as long as she lived. Now, the interesting thing about this house is that there are more, you, you wouldn't see it from the outside, but, and I've not been in it. I just always freaked me out, by the way. I never wanted to go to that haunted house. I saw it, drove by it a lot, and thought, no thanks. But there's more than 10,000 windows in this Winchester mansion. There's doorways and stairways that lead to blank walls. Open up a door, and there's a wall there. Stairways that lead to nowhere. And there's some 160 rooms total in that house. It is estimated that she spent more than $70 million in today's money on largely pointless construction, all in a desperate search for peace that was ultimately doomed to fail. Now, we know that we can have a peace that transcends all understanding by letting go of all those things that trouble us and, and giving it to the ever-capable hands of Jesus. Sarah Winchester strived to find peace in her own way. And I promise you that by building things or buying things or doing things that this world has to offer will not bring you peace. She died and she probably died not having any peace. All of her efforts were in vain, but today you don't have to have your efforts in vain. Going after relationships and things and position and all of that is not going to give you the peace that you need. Only giving those things over, those troubles and anxieties over to the Lord, placing Him in His ever-capable hands, will provide you the peace that you need. So I ask you this morning, you can take that house down now. It's all right. I ask you this morning, what troubles you today? Is it covid is it inflation? Is it family issues? Is it your past? Is it your future? Is it all of the above? I'm sure the list can go on and on and on. But I encourage you this morning. I encourage you to give it to Jesus. Give whatever it is that's troubling you 
Jesus. In return, he's going to give you his gift of peace. That divine peace, that soul-quenching peace is yours today. You can trade your anxiety today for peace. You can trade your fear for rejoicing. You can trade your suspicion for faith. What today do you need to let go of, huh? What? What do you need to give over to Jesus today? What do you need to place in the hands of Jesus today? What do you need to do today to receive his gift? Peace. I ask if you would stand with me this morning. And I'd like to pray over you. Would you bow your heads? And would you close your eyes? And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us your son Christ, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you not only modeled for us the peace that you desire us to live out, but you also left us your peace that would rule our our emotions and our thinking. And Lord, we're bombarded with anxious things, with tumultuous things. We struggle probably on a daily basis when things are presented to us And it seems that our default, our go-to is worry, strife, fear, anxiety, and that lot. But Lord, help us to stop in this season that we celebrate your birthday. And that we would recalibrate our thinking and our approach to how we deal with things. Lord, your word tells us pretty clearly what to do. We're to rejoice always, and we're to give thanks in all things. That's so hard to do. We really don't even at times want to do it. We don't feel like doing it, certainly. And we can't figure out even why we should do it. But your word says to do it. So help us, Lord, to trust in you. And that we would slough off that suspicion of why we should do it and just have faith that we would do it. Give us the faith to rejoice in you. Give us the faith to give thanks in all things. Because as we do those two things, Lord, you promise then to provide your peace that passes all understanding to rule our hearts and to rule our minds. We need that. More than ever, we need that. Lord, the bombarding of the things that are going on in our world, in our families, at our workplaces, just everywhere, will cause us to spin off like a crazy, uncontrollable top. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to reign in our emotions, to reign in our thinking, and to channel it towards you, Lord God, and to rejoice in you and to give thanks in you and to lay those things at your feet that are bigger than us, but not bigger than you. And Father, I pray that your peace that passes all understanding will pour over us like a 
warm oil, like a warm bath. Lord, just saturate us from the top of our heads to the tips of our toes and just permeate our lives with your peace. Lord, we confess this morning that we do feel overwhelmed by the circumstances in our life. And we confess that we can't make it on our own. Remind us on a daily basis that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Remind us on a daily basis that we can cast your, our cares upon you because your word says that you care for us. Father, remind us by your spirit on a daily basis that we can come to you when we're weary and when we're heavy burdened. And Lord, right now, maybe some of us are just that. And that we would, in the midst of all of our life's difficulties right now, cast our cares to you and replace those burdens with your peace. Replace that anxiety with your peace. Replace those fears with your peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that's ruling our hearts and our minds. May we have that same peace that Mary embraced that resulted in a song of praise to you. May we have our own song of praise that we sing out to you, that we declare to you, that would help us to overcome the anxiety and the turmoil would try and overtake us today. We thank you, Jesus, for your peace. If you need the Lord's peace, I want you to lift up both hands and receive it right now in Jesus' name. Father, I lift up my hands to you. We lift up our hands to you. May you pour your peace over our lives. We bless you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Pour over us your peace. Rule our hearts. Rule our minds. We give you thanks. And we rejoice in you today. We rejoice in you. Would you just rejoice right now in your own way? Say it out loud. Lord, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. I keep my eyes fixed on you. I won't look to the left or to the right. But I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you right now. And Father, I give you thanks that whatever it is that I'm going through right now, that it's going to bring good for my life and glory to your name. I'm going to, I'm going to give thanks in these difficult times right now. I'm going to give thanks to you. I lay these things at your feet that are bigger than me, but not bigger than you. And I thank you, Lord, for your peace. I receive it now in Jesus' name. I receive your peace. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we go from this place in the next few moments, and as we hit the home stretch to prepare for Christmas, the last-minute preparations, the hustle and the bustle, Lord, it's going to be such a challenge to remember this truth today. 
But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd keep it in the forefront of our minds and that we would walk in your that we wouldn't walk in the stress that this world has to offer or anxiety, but that we would walk in your peace. Lord, help us to enjoy this time and help us to celebrate your birthday by making sure we sing happy birthday to you on Saturday and that we always keep a place for you at the table of our hearts. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your we thank you for your love. And we thank you for your peace. These are wonderful gifts, the only gifts that we really need this year. May we walk this out so that we can have the best Christmas ever. And we ask these things, Jesus. Amen. These altars are open if you need any prayer for anything. We have some precious godly women here. Happy to pray with you as well as I step down. Uh, the rest of you, have a Merry Christmas. Remember, it's Jesus' birthday. Can we just do something real quick in the key of C? Are you in the key of C? You are in the key of C. Um, give me the key of F. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Jesus, happy birthday to you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.